Welcome to Werewolf the Podcast, a retrospective podcast about Werewolf the Apocalypse. Imagine. Imagine Atlantic City. Imagine HLGCon. The boardwalk. The beach. The hotels. The casinos. Imagine an old hotel, renovated, restored, open to the public in a way it never was before. Now imagine a series of quirky, intense, and interesting event rooms. Imagine the coolest bar you've ever wanted to host a LARP in. And that's the showboat. HLGCon is happening October 12th through the 14th of 2018 in the Showboat Hotel and Resort in Atlantic City. We'll have LARP, tabletop, board games, and more. We've struck a deal with several LARP studios to run a blockbuster LARP, Pandemonium, that'll be unlike any other event in 2018. Find us on the web at hlgcon.com. Come join us. Imagine it, and we'll make it a reality. Many years passed, and the first cubs mated with wolves and humans. Their lines grew strong, and they became many tribes. These are the tribes, as they were told to me, watcher of wolves. Each ran through the deep forest and had its own ways. The Silver Fangs, strong, ruled us all, with the Lords of Shadow behind them and the Nars of Bone beneath them. The Black Furies stood away from their brothers, commanded by the Mother. They grew in her rage and her wisdom and set themselves apart. Then came the War of Rage, and many of the people followed the Worm Bears to their far north hiding places, and so grew the Geta Fenris, the Fianna, and the White Howlers. Welcome back to Werewolf the Podcast. This is Josh Heath. I am your host. And today we are moving into second edition, Werewolf the Apocalypse. And we're going to start off by talking about the second edition book, the core book. We're going to talk a little bit about what werewolf means and what it's about. And some of the theme changes that happen between first and second edition werewolf. I think anyone that's either been along for the ride with White Wolf from the beginning or is gone back and done some of this retrospective look is aware that there's actually a fairly big shift in most of the games between their first editions and their second editions. I wouldn't say that White Wolf is trying to get it right exactly with their switch and I wouldn't say that any of the first editions are bad or wrong or anything like that. In fact, often the first edition of uh, the games that I've reviewed has something different than any of the later editions do. With Werewolf, there's an uncontrolled sort of rage, which is a bit stereotypical, but that's present a bit like a bit anarchic in first edition that's less present in revised it's still present in second edition though unlike first edition vampire which has a lot of concepts some that get carried over into later editions and many that don't many that just kind of get left same with mage mage's first edition is strange compared to the rest of the books it's good it's a really interesting game, 
but Phil Brucato brought that game to a different direction. With Werewolf the Apocalypse, it's probably of the core five, the game that changes the least, but focuses on different elements as you go through the editions. I would say in second edition you've got a lot more focus on the silver pack as in the pack that includes um, Jonas Albrecht, Maricabra, and Evan Heals of Past. In this edition you get both a comic and a story at the beginning of the book. This is the book that has the actual cut lines, there's four claw cut lines through it. On both the limited edition and the regular editions of second edition you'll see that. And you can see a little bit of the opening comic through the cut lines. So that's how you know. That's how you know which edition of the game you've got in front of you. It's kind of, what does it look like? Why does it look like that? Um, and I think it's interesting, like, from a thematic standpoint, to do this with a book. But uh, many of these, I've seen the covers kind of weak, so that's a bit of a problem. I think maybe uh, I lost my direction <laughs> when talking about that, but I think it's, um, it's helpful to note that the focus on metaplot increases in this edition from the core book onward. And in many of the books, you're going to have elements of the metaplot tied into the story, particularly the metaplot as relates to Jonas and Evan and Mari. Those three characters are pretty central to the werewolf story from here out. You'll have them in the fiction, or at least referenced in a lot of the fiction, and you'll have them referenced in the various books in way, one way, shape, or form. And that tells you something a little bit about the shifting focus of the game. The shifting focus of the game is a little bit more on the impacts on the nation as a whole as opposed to just the fight against Gaia. There's a lot more nuance to the world of the Garou that, are, that is coming out. And some of the tribe books are being developed at the same time that the second edition is coming out. So you'll have some of them that are sort of touching more on first edition elements, but diving more deeply into Garou society, Garou culture, tribal culture, tribal responsibilities, and what those mean, what it means to be a part of the tribe, of a tribe, of a particular tribe, in Werewolf, the Apocalypse. And I think that's kind of an essential question for werewolves, is what does it mean to be a werewolf and to be fighting this war, but what does it also mean to be a part of these cultures that are both sort of similar and also drastically different than the culture that I was raised within. And some Garou don't have that issue. Metis in particular don't have those issue. As a reminder, Metis are those werewolves that are bred of two werewolves. So they are effectively raised within werewolf society. Lupus werewolves have less human cultural issues to kind of worry about, but still, they're growing up as wolves and then finding out there's something more different 
and what does that mean to them? How does it make them feel? Are they threatened by this transformation into being a werewolf as opposed to just being usually a stronger wolf within a group uh, of other wolves within a wolf pack? So that is the way to start our review of second edition Werewolf the Apocalypse. In the core book, you have all the different things that you had in the first edition core book, except you've got a better layout. Things are more structured effectively. They're straightforward where you want them, where you need them. Some of the story elements are front-loaded, and some of them are in later elements of the book, but it's also good to note that there's a lot more fiction here. And the fiction's good. I think it's better in second edition. It starts to pick up. There's definitely a tempo that's being found. And I do really enjoy the comics that are featured here. This particular one, the art doesn't speak to me. Uh, it's this um, sort of distorted visual, which I find off-putting. But I think it's also fits the story. So it's one of those, it might be off-putting to me, but it might be off-putting for a reason, and there's some benefit to that. But there's a ton more fiction in here than there was previously, from the comic to stories, to, um, to the different stories. There are chapter stories, and there's a meta-plot narrative threaded through this. You can tell that the writer's visualized a stronger meta, meta plot that would drive smaller stories for players to engage in. And either they could take over the roles of the characters in that meta plot, or they could be in a, interacting with stories that are related to or connected with or sub to the larger meta plot elements been a little bit since I've recorded one of these, so I'm a little out of sync with the way we've been doing them. That said, by the numbers, this book came out in 1994. The main design was by Mark Ryan Hagen, Robert Hatch, and Bill Bridges. It was developed by Bill Bridges. And at this point, Bill Bridges is really in charge of Werewolf the Apocalypse. He's become the main figure, kind of leading the uh, the thought process of where this particular game was going to go. And you really see that. You see a, almost a singular vision. There are some books that maybe don't have as strong of a vision for exactly what story is wanting to be told. But in here, most definitely, if you were to grab a, a core book and not grab anything else, you could get by 100% effectively with Werewolf the Apocalypse 2nd Edition. You've got everything you need, and you've really got everything you have to have in here to run a good story. And I know quite a few people that have just this book and run great werewolf games from it. And they don't, they've got enough meta plot to tie into it, but they're not kind of overwhelmed by the meta plot of the other books. So that meta plot <laughs> was written by Bill Bridges, Phil Brucato, Brian Campbell, Sam Chupp, Andrew Greenberg. Daniel Greenberg, Mark Reinhagen, Robert Hatch, Harry Heckel, and Geowyn Woodruff. So there are quite a few different people uh, involved in the writing part here. Art Direction, Richard Thomas. Art by John Bridges. 
Rich Thomas, Joshua Gable Timbrook, Ron Spencer, Dan Smith, Jeb Rabner, Matt Cordering, Scar, Brian LeBlanc, Andrew Robinson, Tony Dieterlizzi. So those are the folks that are in lots of these other books as well. They helped build out a lot of the first edition material that we've reviewed. I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's a single writer here that wasn't involved in one of the first edition books as well. So these are folks that know what they're doing, they know the game, they know what they've already written, and they know why they've already written it. And that's helpful because sometimes it's difficult when you've gone from first edition to a second edition game. If you change all of your writers, you've got to make sure that your new writers are as built into the lore. And because this was so recent, as it were, between first and second edition, it's better to have some of those folks that have already been involved in building there. I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm saying it, I think it helps this book. Because you can see that they decided to tie some of the vision they had that they developed in the first edition books into second edition. And that made it a little bit more coherent. I think the first edition book makes sense, but it needed something. It needed a little ripening. And second edition really does so. Um, Let's dive into a topic that I've mentioned before. In first edition, the renown system was odd, to say the least, compared to the rest of the editions of Werewolf the Apocalypse. Second edition changes it. You go to the singular numbers. Um, I think the largest amount of renown you can have is in the high 40s for any particular rank. So you no longer have hundreds of points of renown. Instead, you have one or two points of the three different types of renown that you get to rank up. And in this version, we see the full five ranks and then legend come out. So elder is something that's built into the system at this point where it was something extra in first edition. And I think that's just because conceptually that rank wasn't really un like conceptualized fully until some of the later books within the first edition line came out. And then you've got all of that material here, a little bit more cohesive. And for those that might not have listened to our first edition review, rank is the system that werewolves use to recognize those of higher stature, those who have gained spiritual and physical power and authority, those who have done deeds, and those deeds are reflected in their rank within both werewolf cultural society, but also to the spirits and to the spirit world. And that touches on those two elements that are really important to werewolves, the idea of the spiritual and physical being important. So it's helpful to conceptualize what rank means within a werewolf game, because it means both of those things. So if you have a legend, they're not just legendary to the Garu Nation. They're also legendary to both negative and positive, or you could just say it wild and worm, or wild and weaver, whatever sort of factions you want. Spirits. All the spirits within the within the Tellurian are aware of 
this werewolf. You're not going to be a legend and not have Banes know who you are. And I think that's important. That's important to think about. That's important to conceptualize. As you go up in rank, you're no longer just known to the other werewolves around you and your direct enemies. Other people know you. Other enemies know you or know of you. Other werewolves know of your name. Your story has, being, has been spread. And that's important because that's a conceptually important difference between vampire and werewolf. Where in vampire, if you're a very good vampire, no one knows who you are because you're capable of manipulating everything behind the scenes. And famous kindred almost are at a disadvantage. Whereas werewolves, really the thing you're looking to do is get renown to be known. And that makes it really hard when you are forced to become a ronin, when you're removed from the Garo Nation for one reason or another. And Jonas Albrecht at one point is re removed from Garo society. And that, I think, is an important element to think about when it comes to what is the story of Werewolf the Apocalypse. And if the story of Werewolf the Apocalypse also includes this idea of being an important member of society, then being removed from it, and then coming back, what does that mean? What does that redemption cycle mean? And that redemption cycle is central to the Werewolf the Apocalypse storyline. Because that's the story of Gaia's redemption. Potentially the story of the Worm's redemption, if you want to view it that way. And that concept of redemption, of cleansing, of being remade and reawakened and brought back into society is a cycle, a cyclical story that's important to telling a really effective Well of the Apocalypse game. So, in this second edition review, we're talking about some of the shifts in those metaplot concepts just from the way things are framed within the book. Um, otherwise, there's not much different. There's not much different about the actual Garu themselves. They're pretty much the same as they were in first edition. You've got a little bit more information on the moon phases. You have your five moon phases, and I think we briefly discussed them in one of the earlier books. But these are really the important roles that each Garu plays not only in a pack, but also societally. When you're in a rune, you are truly the greatest warrior within a particular pack, usually, unless there are multiple runes, and that's a different story. But usually, a perfect pack are five Garu of each uh, moon phase. And each moon phase has their own role, job, structure within society. You know, some runes are the great warrior strategists. The Galliards are storytellers, but that storytelling can be different based on tribe, based on personal style. Same with being a, a Philodox, a half moon. They're the judges, but what does a judge mean? It could be a peace builder, it could be uh, an authoritarian, it could be someone that. Uh, 
could be that person in the lunchroom who's you know making snotty comments at you and shifting social opinion. They could be uh, um, a phylodox potentially. Third is uh, a mystic or a spiritualist capable of interacting with the spirits, but the paradigm with which uh, a werewolf in a particular tribe does that is going to be different. It's distinctly different between, say, um, the Black Furies and the Red Talons. You know, the Black Furies have a very um, feminine-centric, but feminist, a militant feminist-centric viewpoint, whereas Red Talons have that very lupine, uh, lupus-centric worldview. And so the way they interact with spirits is going to be really different even if, in the end, they're doing the same things, and on some level, because they're all Garu, they do some things in the same way. The last moon sign are the Ragabash, which we've talked about before, but they are the tricksters. But what trickster means might be different to one tribe, to one Garu, than other, and that's helpful to know. It's helpful to understand. You might be playing these roles, but... Unlike D and D, you're not necessarily have you don't necessarily have to have a rogue in every party, as it were. You don't have to have a ragabash in every pack. It's kind of good to not do that to play a couple of characters that have similar um, similar moon phases and do things differently. And that's interesting. That's interesting to engage, consider, and then build up and decipher. All in all, this book, like I've said before, has everything that you would need to run a really effective story of Werewolf the Apocalypse. It's got decent art, it's got good story, and it's framed in a way that makes most people, I would say, makes me want to run games. I could easily grab this off the shelf, run a game with it, and feel like the rules are effective, that they are designed well, and that they do what they're supposed to, that they make me feel like I can tell a story about ecological horror and do so well. The art is decent. I don't know, honestly, if I'm ever going to love <laughs> any of the art in the core books for World of the Apocalypse, because there are even a couple of pieces of art in the revised book that I was like, oh, I'm not 100% sure about this. And in 20th anniversary, they pull in some of the old art and some of the new art. And generally, it's good. But I'm getting gen a little bit off topic. Um, moving forward from here, we're going to be talking about the different tribes and their relationship with being Garu and their cultural elements. And the first editions of the tribe books, the second, technically they fall within the second edition rule system, are problematic. And I'm going to try to discuss that problem, those problematic elements in an open way, a way that people can agree, disagree, uh, and break it, break them down. And by problematic, I do mean socially, I do mean culturally, I do mean where we are in the 21st century, looking back at these things and saying, are these things that I want to perpetuate, or do I want to 
eliminate some of these elements in my particular stories. The revised editions, I think, are better for all of these tribe books, but I think it's helpful to know what came first. And some of these tribe books, I'm going to tell you, you should get the Litany of the Tribes versions for, which are the collected uh, tribe books. Because I think there are a couple of really solid gems amongst them. So we're going to be diving in and telling uh, and talking about that some more. We're, of course, going to go through all of the different second edition supplement books. But from here on, for quite a bit, I think we're going to be diving in specifically into tribe books. And there will be, uh, here and there, a couple of different other ones. So this has been Werewolf the Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Heath. Please, feedback, reviews, disagreements, all of that is very much welcome. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.